You're listening to the Crop Disease Podcast, a podcast that will keep you up to date on how to manage common crop diseases faced by Australian growers. Harvest is upon us, and as we edge towards the finish line, crop diseases are becoming far less of a problem. So as we get close to the end in most grain-growing regions, this update will reflect on how the season has gone with disease, whether management could have been done any better. Hello, it's Megan Jones from the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, and for the third time this season, I'm going to rip around the regions and get the latest updates from three agronomists and a pathologist from WA, South Australia, Victoria and New South Wales. Also with me on this journey is my co-host, CCDM Director Mark Gibbard. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Megan. It's great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you. So, Mark, what's been happening in your neck of the woods at the moment? Have you had a fair bit on? Oh, absolutely, Megan. It's that time of the year when we get to see the, the outcome of all of the field trials and all of the activities that we've been working towards for the whole of the year. And, um, and that's an incredibly busy time for everybody within CCDM, as, as it is for everybody out there who's now preparing to harvest as well. So lots of field trips and lots of visits um, out into the wheat belt and in interstate for myself and for other staff in the centre. And that's been fantastic because we're getting to see on the ground um, the outcomes of the work that we're doing. There's a few things that are really exciting. Um, certainly we're looking, I think, you know, largely at a really good year in many of the areas and I'm looking forward to hearing the update from, from all of the people that you're talking to. Um, but also there's a couple of things that are starting to emerge for us as being interesting and um one of those that's come up in the last week or so, we've had a couple of reports from people around septoria on oats and um, fungicide failures this year. So that's the um, when we get those sorts of reports and when they come from you know, reliable sources with you know, quite experienced people out there in the industry, usually from the agronomists, um, we start to take that very seriously and it's often the tip of the iceberg. Um, so I'd reach out to everybody and um, if you're an agronomist and you've been keeping an eye on septoria uh, in oats and you're starting to see fungicide failure, reach out to us. Um, we might want a sample and uh, we can put it through with the other material that we'll be analysing over the next couple of months. So if you're seeing that um, and something that's causing you concern, an email to ccdm at curtain.edu.au would be the first place to start and then we'll follow up with you and if we haven't got samples from your area um, we'll certainly if it's possible to get something sent across um, in the near future we will uh, just for everybody particularly those interstate don't just send things um, blind please reach out first and make sure that um, we take account of all of the border requirements and other things um, prior to sending things across a couple of other things we're looking at um, exciting new um, area for us is looking at safflower in the west um, this is a fantastic introduction of a new alternative um, into the rotation system for WA. And when we see those new opportunities, we're absolutely really keen to support them. So, of course, with any new crop, we've got new issues that might emerge around the pathology of that crop. It's been really interesting over the last couple of months to have a look at safflower and see um, how that's going in the West and um, to try and support the introduction of safflower with some um, good quality pathology going forward. So those sorts of new new crops are really important where we've got such limited rotations and um, if we can support them to be successful, that's a great outcome. Yeah, absolutely. And that safflower sounds really exciting. And um, about the uh, septorion oats, I will also include our contact details in the episode notes in case there is an agronomist or anyone else there who needs to get in touch with us on that. That'll be fine. Okay, so as mentioned before, 
Uh, I spoke to three agronomists and a pathologist from different regions of Australia. I asked them all what they're up to and whether it will be an above-average season. Shall we listen to what they said about that? Yes, please. That sounds exciting. Okay, great. So this time we'll start on the west and head east. So starting with WA, where I have agronomist Dan Taylor from DKT Rural Agencies, who covers the central wheat belt. Dan, can you tell me how this season is going for you at the moment? Well, it's all just about to come to an end for us, Megan. We're um, growers are just finalising desiccation uh, of canola and and um, some of the broadleaf crops, and um, there'll be a little bit of desiccation done in cereals, and it's a week or two of some warm weather, and we'll be harvest underway. Oh wow! So, is it going to be an above average year? Do you think? Yeah, very good question. It's going to be a bit of a surprise. I I don't think our canola is going to be above average. I think we. Uh, we suffered from some waterlogging along the way. We had a, a massive year for nitrogen demand, which was not met for the crops, um, and that's on the back of last year's um, you know, high yields and uh, massive stubble burdens and, and um, you know, mobilising uh, in in the soil. We've had a few issues with you know, seed quality and crop establishment in spots, and so I think canola will be 1.2 to 1.5 averages, which will be which will be good, but um, yeah, certainly not anywhere anything exciting or, or much above average. The cereals, I think, will be a different story. We've got some really good cereal crops. They're well set up. Uh, we've sort of managed to get them home. Probably did, still didn't quite meet nitrogen demand. but um, So we'll have some low protein, a lot of ASW wheat. But I think the yields, everyone's going to be pretty pleased with those. So in the last seasonal update, you mentioned wheat powdery mildew was a big problem. Did it get worse? Uh, it did, Megan. We... Um, we do, I think we managed it fairly well um, as best we could. Once we were aware that it was sort of spreading throughout the region, most growers were quite proactive in having a look and, and we sort of did manage it to the best of our ability. I think there certainly has been um, some yield loss that will be associated. Hard, hard to say at this stage, but crops that were untreated uh, didn't have any fungicides at seeding. Uh, a lot of growers were late catching the disease and so have probably chased their tail uh, and with the disease already established, it can be quite hard to control. Uh, we could add to that that our seasonal conditions here, we had a, a, a like an incredibly wet winter and a, and a wet and soft spring. So uh, the, you know, those conditions were ideal for the disease to sort of continue to develop and move up the canopy. So I think in those cases where we had you know, poor or no treatment um, applied up front, that there will be some yield loss and maybe in the order of you know, somewhere between 5 and 15%. For wheat. Is this yield loss more so than usual? No, it's it's um, probably typical for powdery mildew in our part of the world. Um, you know, if it was not managed at all, it could have been higher. We, we, you know, we might have seen yield losses at 25%. But the fact that uh, some fungicides did go on, it sort of did, did curb the disease uh, to some extent, but we're probably just a little bit late getting underway um, doing that in some cases. The other, the other thing that was quite interesting and will remain to be seen really, but we did protect the canopy with a lot of these wheat crops. And then because the seasonal conditions kicked on, cool, wet, and ideal for mildew development, the disease did jump up onto the heads. So we had a clean canopy, but you know, up to 50, 60% uh, infection um, of, of the heads with powdery mildew. Now that can result in issues with grain quality, um, protein, screenings, so we remain to be seeing sort of that really late infection on the heads, how much damage that might do. Thanks, Dan. Now moving to South Australia, I've got agronomist Sam Holmes from Central Ag Solutions who covers the York Peninsula. 
How are growers going in your region, Sam? Do you think it will be an above-average season? Uh, I think we should be. So cereals have had an absolute cool, wet finish um, and the real mild temperatures through grain field is going to make a big difference for us. So um, we're expecting cereals to be well above average um, and probably lentils and pulses in general. Maybe, uh, I think, okay, definitely average, maybe slightly above average, but not peaking. We've probably had a bit too much moisture for some of those and so diseases we're probably battling with a little bit more on the on the pulse front uh, on that one. But overall, yeah, expectations are certainly above average for pretty much all crops for sure. Oh, that's great news. So in the last seasonal update, you mentioned getting water rates and fungicide timing right. Do you think disease was overall managed quite well? Well, I think it actually was. I, you, you sort of freak out during those really busy periods of, of getting everything right and thinking you're going to be, it's going to get out of control on you. But um, in hindsight, going back and looking at paddocks, I, I think we've done a relatively good job. Um, probably even the powdery mildew that we thought was out of control to an extent when you pull back um, under the canopy, you see a lot of the tillers that haven't you know, a late coming that haven't really had much fungicide coverage on them are the ones that have got the disease on them and, and a lot of the, the main plants are pretty clean. So in general, I think, yeah, we've we've ended up better than we expected, I think. So, yeah, not too bad. Um, whether those higher moisture, high water rates have made a big difference or certainly hasn't hurt them and, uh, yeah, happy, re- really pleased we've done it, I suppose. Yeah, great. So what about yields? Were they affected more than usual, do you think, by disease? I think so. Um, I don't think it's been dramatic. Probably it's been the guys where you can drive around and see some um, stripe rust infection that's really wiped out, Um, you know, a lot of leaf tissue uh, around the place. Probably guys with powdery mildew were a bit actually onto it a bit quicker because they knew they had the disease there a bit earlier and, and other guys that weren't seeing it just ignored it and then all of a sudden stripe rust came in and, and took out um, a fair chunk of their, their paddocks. They're few and far between but um, definitely had more of an issue than what we've had in the past. You know, good wet seasons do that. They come with a bit of disease so it's, it's always challenging. Yeah, but in general I think most have done a pretty reasonable job. Thanks, Sam. Now, moving around the country to Victoria, I have agronomist Greg Toomey from Nutrient Elmore, who covers the northern country of Victoria. How are growers going in your region, Greg? So from a wheat point of view, Megan, we've seen extreme rust pressure uh, with much of the wheat in our district being scepter. Um, Almost all of our wheat gets flutriophile, which uh, took off some of the pressure that um, other areas experienced. But we have still had to apply two fungicides, which we've rarely ever done before with flutriophol. We did one about, say, five or six weeks ago at maybe Z33 to 37, and then we've done another one as the heads have been emerging at sort of um, full head emergence of the main tillers to whisk a peep of the uh, younger tillers just to make sure there was no rust on the plant at flowering. and. Anybody that had issues getting on in in the sense of uh, trafficability and then had to try and get a plane, theirs got a bit messy as it was difficult to get on in a timely fashion. But in general, uh, we've lost a bit of skin, a bit of leaf area, uh, but overall I think we've maintained the vast majority of our yield potential on most of our crops. 
Um, other crops, well, faber beans, we're still battling away uh, disease there. We feel like we're mostly on top of it, but uh, many of the beans have had four fungicides on them and a fifth isn't out of the question. We do have very high yield potential. We would hope that our wheat has uh, six and a half to eight tonne on the dry, which is probably double um, an average. Canola-wise, uh, we're three to four weeks from windrowing. Um, and then I guess uh, everything else, we've sort of thrown the kitchen sink at them uh, in many cases for uh, fungicides and uh, nitrogen. Some fellows have been very, very uh, willing to push the boundaries on nitrogen to try and see what a seven, eight plus tonne per hectare wheat crop looks like. Do you think that will pay off? Well, things look exceptional at the minute. There's the potential for a fairly unwelcome 60 millimetres this week. We can handle 30 a week in October, but uh, no season is um, perfect. Thanks, Greg. Now moving to New South Wales, where I have cereals pathologist Stephen Simfendorfer from the Tamworth Ag Institute, who covers central northern New South Wales and central Queensland regions. Stephen, what are growers up to over your way? Uh, I think they're praying for no more rain is the main thing they're up to. Uh, well and truly had enough. So, yeah, with the next front coming through and uh, some widespread flooding, yeah, we've, we've had enough. I think we've had enough for the season. So, yeah, still still a few things going on disease-wise, but, um, yeah, they're largely on, on top of it. Do you think it's going to be an above-average season, given all that? Uh, yeah, hopefully, yeah. I've got my fingers well and truly crossed. So I think the, the, the yield potentials are certainly there, and I guess we've had such a prolonged grain field period. So it stayed mild with the temperatures, which has been a nightmare because the rust weren't go into a longer cycle with warmer temperatures, so it's still cycling, but it means we've got a prolonged grain fill period. So even some of that really late planted stuff still probably got half decent yield potential. Um, but yeah, certainly the early sown stuff's good, but it, we just need the ground to dry out. So the biggest fear now is uh, a wet harvest and weather damage around that harvest period is, is what the real concern is. So would you say there was a fair bit of disease around this year? Oh, <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> it, the biggest biggest in my year, I think. Uh, really? If I've got any any hair left uh, that isn't grey, yeah, it's certainly certainly gone. No, this is this has been massive. Like. Um, and just so so much uh, complication and angst, you know, with those different pathotypes of stripe rust kicking around, causing sort of confusion that varieties reacted differently this year to last year, which all explainable by dis- distribution of those different pathotypes and differences in, in resistance based on which pathotypes there. So, you know, certainly a lot of confusion, a lot of calls. Do you think uh, with so much disease around, did it affect yields more so than usual, do you think? I think, um, like, yeah, in certain situations, so where management's been in place and they've been proactive, certainly on the rust, they've kept it out and yeah, your potentials are going to be really good. What we saw is a real price. You, you grew more susceptible varieties. So once you're back in that uh, susceptible or very susceptible, if you had any delay in your spray timing, um, you suffered a big penalty because the rust just cycled that much quicker in those more susceptible. So I saw one uh, in a in a crop uh, out towards Nettleton, uh down south, where they just couldn't get the plane on it for 10 days. So it didn't get its flagly spray, was 10 days late. We estimate it probably cost about 40 to 60% yield just on a 10-day delay in a plane. You know, that happens in very susceptible varieties. Your timing is critical. So... I think with the wet conditions, the lack of uh, being able to get ground rigs on a lot of country, you know, just the logistics of being able to spray that much country with planes has really questioned how much yeah, acreage of very susceptible varieties we can sustainably grow. 
we're locked into fungicides. You, you have to keep spraying fungicides in high-pressure years at the critical growth stages. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you lose a heap of green leaf area and hemp shield. Thanks, Stephen. So, Mark, sounds like most areas are looking like they'll have an above-average season, but disease has surely played a part in knocking down the yields. What did you think about all that? Yeah, Megan, it's really good to hear from everybody and um, it's it's fantastic to hear that um, from everyone's perspective, it does look like this year is going to be uh, average or above average um, and that's always really promising. Um, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, me too. It's such great news. Now, I just want to do one last whip around with our guests as I want to hear quickly the one or two things they would do differently if they could do this season again. Sound good, Mark? Sounds great. Okay, well, let's start with WA again um, in the Central Wheat Belt with Dan Taylor. So, Dan, now that the season is nearly over, what would you have done or recommended to do differently management-wise? Well, um, we're definitely going to make some changes to upfront or seeding fungicide management with wheat powdery mildew. We were trying to be sustainable and move away from um, using flutriophile across the board, as we had done for probably five years since the last time we had a massive mildew outbreak in 2015. But you know, we clearly got caught out. If guys, if growers didn't sort of check those crops and were aware that mildew was there in time, you know, they did chase their tail to manage the disease. So I think the message going into next year will be we'll probably use flutriophile in furrow, but we'll be drumming home that you must follow up with an alternate mode of action uh, and a fungicide timing of somewhere around full flag leaf emergence or even early head emergence, so we can make sure we are rotating that, that fungicide mode of action and not further treading down that path with resistance. Absolutely, Dan. Now, moving on to South Australia's York Peninsula with Sam Holmes. Sam, how about in your region? In hindsight, what do you think would you have done differently this season? Oh, really, at the moment, I wish we'd had some different variety choices in for wheat. Um, <laughs> would be a nice one to go back in time and hindsight. Um, I think just watching those varieties of stuff that's VS to get even to S or MS is just a really big step up, you know, particularly with powdery mildew. Um, oh, in hindsight, I wish we'd maybe done a bit more flu trifle um, at seeding time, just to keep disease levels a little bit uh, more under control, um, gives you a little bit more time on your management um, regime when you've got that in the program. Other than that, though, they're probably my two wish lists um, that I wish we'd done a bit better job on. Yeah, I'm probably giving us a tick considering the season that we've had. So, yeah. Thanks, Sam. Now let's move on to the northern country of Victoria with Greg Toomey. Greg. Now that the season is getting towards the end, what would you have done or recommended to do differently management-wise? We did such a successful pre-emergent program, there wasn't a lot of weeds to do in the winter. And we left a lot of the work till sort of second half of August, start of September to coincide with our fungicide program. Normally, the weather is better in the second half of August and the start of September, trafficability is easier and you can do a late tidy up of weeds and your, your fungicide comfortably. That wasn't the case this year. And um, understandably, aerial applicators aren't too keen to be up spraying herbicides around because every crop almost now has a susceptible next to it, regardless of what you're putting on them herbicide-wise. So maybe as a uh, strategy, we should do maybe a third of our 
cereals earlier, late July, early August, um, so that we have paddocks that can be sprayed by air with a fungicide and the plane's happy to do that rather than relying on ground application for all of our stuff. But, you know, this is probably a one or two in ten type experience and the rest of the time that system works quite well. Other than that, we've sprayed our canola. If we don't get sclerotinia this year, I'll be staggered. Um, our beans we've kept reasonably clean. Uh, I know that in some areas they're really struggling. Uh, so far, ours are okay. And uh, wheat-wise, if we got on at the right time and then we sprayed that um, 21 to 24 days later, we've maintained a pretty good canopy, but there was very little margin fairer. And, and, and certainly, flutriophil will be um, much more widespread use, I think, next year. Great to hear, Greg. And finally, to the northern New South Wales and southern Queensland with cereals pathologist Stephen Simpson-Thorfer. Stephen, what would you have done or recommended to do differently this season? Yeah, so still a bit to go in the south, but yeah, up here. I think uh, we're really, you know, and it's predicted La Nina again, so we're going to have another wet summer uh, is the prediction, which means we'll have a lot of volunteer wheat potentially. So our stripe rust risk, because it needs that green bridge to survive, is going to be you know, likely very high again. So I think we've really got to look at the use of flutriophil and starter fertiliser. You know, delay that epidemic, so protect it up to around that growth stage 32, just takes the pressure out of that crop. It takes The bigger issue is it takes the pressure out of the whole system. So we've got to be a lot more proactive with that early management. So, yeah, getting that message across that adult plant resistance kicks in later and we need, really need to protect these crops early and take the pressure down. Yes, for sure, Stephen. Well, there you have it, Mark. It was interesting how all our guests mentioned the use of flutriophil at seeding for next season. Don't you think that was interesting? Um, one of the interesting parts of what we heard about today was just the need to really get on to the diseases as early as possible. And um, we know that uh, when it comes to disease management, the, the early release of inoculum from stubble and then the early infections, uh, particularly in things like wheat, um, and barley um, have a big impact uh, later in the season. We see the same thing, of course, in pulses, and we've got specific sowing windows where we try to avoid um, sowing in and around the time at which we see the greatest levels of inoculum. Um, so early disease control, whether that's um, seed treatments or in furrow treatments, are absolutely critical. And then a follow-up beyond that with a good rotation of chemistry is, is absolutely key to try and avoid the development of fungicide resistance and to optimise the efficacy of the chemistries that go on later. I mean, we can't go into a perfectly clean environment um, and there's been times when people have you know, really dominated uh, their farming systems with you know, burning stubble to try and take out disease and, and weeds and other things. And while that you know, is still an important tool in some areas, it's, it's not something that we can use everywhere. So we have to accept that the inoculum is, is there um, and we have to manage that early disease um, control as much as we possibly can. And then, of course, as we get more resistant material, that's going to become easier with time. But in the interim, those early chemical applications and then the follow-ups at the right time in particular with the right rotations are absolutely critical for success. Yeah, I totally agree with all that, Mark. Sounds good. Well, that wraps up the seasonal podcast for the year and I'd just like to take a moment to thank our guests for giving us their updates throughout the season. So that's Dan Taylor from WA, Sam Holmes from South Australia, Greg Toomey from Victoria and Stephen Simpendorfer from New South Wales. And also I'd just like to thank you too, Mark, for joining me on the show today. It was great to have you here. 
Thank you very much, Megan. And I think on behalf of everybody who's been involved and those who are listening, this wouldn't come together without you. And, and we really do appreciate everything you do to bring it all together. So so thank you too. Oh, no worries. It's great great to be on the show too. Thanks, Mark. So and cheers to everyone out there for listening. And please keep an eye out for our next crop disease podcast. It should be a good one. So see you then. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Crop and Disease Management, a national centre co-supported by Curtin University and the Brains Research and Development Corporation. 